Welcome back to Christian Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and this is the podcast where we discuss all things outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. Welcome back to this episode of Christian Outdoors Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and this is episode number 97. As you can tell, we're getting really close to our 100th episode. It's kind of a milestone in the podcasting industry or world to reach 100 episodes. I'm very appreciative of the support that I've gotten from family and friends and listeners out there that we have continued this for two years now. Uh, October 1st will be two years when we release the first one, and we'll be hitting our 100th episode in mid-October. I'm very excited about that, very excited about the about the growth that Christian Outdoors has had, and, and you are a big part of that. And just thank you for your support, for listening, for tuning in, and for subscribing. If you have not subscribed, please do. And please tell your family and friends about us. Follow us on all the social media platforms under Christian Outdoors Podcast. If you'd like to reach me directly, you can do that by emailing me at pete at christianoutdoors.org. Also, go to the website if you haven't, and there you'll be able to find all kinds of stuff about me, about the podcast. Every episode we've ever recorded is on there if you want to go back and find some. And I said this a, a couple episodes ago, but I want to emphasize it again. If you or someone you know you think can make a great guest here on Christian Outdoors Podcast, please have them reach out to me directly. I'd love to talk with them and see about how we can get them on the episode. That's exactly how we found this week's guest. We want to talk about all things outdoors, whether it's hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, backpacking, uh, bird watching, parasailing. I don't care. I just want to talk to people who love the outdoors, who love being in God's creation, and who don't mind sharing their faith along the way. If you haven't had a chance to get a copy of my book, Do You Enjoy God? 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day, I encourage you to go to my website at creationoutdoors.org, or you can get it on Amazon. I think it'll make a great Sunday school book, a great, uh, what do they call them nowadays, small group study guide. We all, And we have available bulk discounts. So if you're ordering for your class, for a small group, for a sensu class, whatever, just contact me if you want to buy 10 or more copies and we give a discount for that. And I'd be glad to get those sent to you just as quick as we can. So without any further delay, I want to get right into this week's episode in which I have with me Mr. Michael Brandon Williams. Michael Brandon Williams grew up the eldest of four in the piney woods of East Texas, hunting, fishing, and seeing God's indelible thumbprint in the character of his creation. As a teen, having witnessed the demise of his own family dynamic, he longed to someday father a family that would cling to a legacy of faith. Although he experienced what many would consider success in business and in church leadership, the feeling of inadequacy in sending two sons into the world was gripping. Busyness and church identity often took precedence over direct time with his children, and the guilt of missing opportunities to speak into his sons really set in when they began leaving home for college. After the loss of his late wife, Laura, writing became an outlet for seeking God's will and what life would look like next. Michael Brandon began learning more of God's nature as a father as he witnessed firsthand how God provided daily through his word, his creation, and his spirit. Although he couldn't wait to share this wisdom with his sons, they were now men. Michael Brandon wrote The Trail because he felt paralyzed that he had not prepared his sons for what was to come. What father truly can the answer he learned was the father. Although guilt, inadequacy, grief, and false identity attempted to cloud what were the familiar frames of his life, the Lord began healing and redirecting his path. His golden writing is to remind men of their true identity in Christ and the liberating truth of our Father makes our path straight as we trust in him. Remember, that's from Proverbs 3, 5, regardless of our past failures. 
Michael Brandon has served as a deacon and a pastor and currently serves as an elder with Stonewater Church, while also advising several companies and charities. Michael Brandon would find love again in Mali, having met at Grief Share, a Bible-based program for those who lost loved ones, as they both had lost their spouses. Together they founded Many Mansions Charity, which exists to provide life-giving resources through Christ's kingdom with a focus on widows, orphans, and single moms. He and Molly have five children in their blended family. Please welcome to today's podcast, Michael Brandon Williams. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today on this week's podcast. Why don't you start by telling us about yourself? Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, in East Texas, a little small town, uh, Hugh Springs, uh, as well as Dangerfield, uh, north of Longview, which uh, folks from East Texas know about that that area in the neck of the woods, and just grew up uh, just really appreciating God's creation, loving to hunt and fish and being around the woods. And I had no idea uh, how distinctive that was uh, from some people's experience until I moved to the big city of Dallas. Um, so uh, grew up playing uh, high school football and loving loving the outdoors and just being a typical redneck kid, uh, loving and enjoying uh, creation. Great. So when you say East Texas, as somebody who uh, knows where Texas is on a map, been there once, what do y'all yeah. use as a dividing line between East Texas and West Texas? Is it the well, Dallas-Fort Worth area or is it, uh, I mean, how do you define that? That could be a point of contention, actually. Depends <laughs> <laughs> on what part of Texas you're from. <laughs> yeah, right. The people in far East Texas wouldn't even call us East Texans. So uh, when you start seeing pine trees and thicket, uh-huh. starts to look like the southeast, uh, like up in your neck of the woods. Uh, that's when people start calling East Texas. So um, the, the central Texas, north central Texas is, and as you go further south, it's kind of hill country. And you go to west Texas, you see kind of uh, plains, flatlands and whatnot. But East Texas kind of denoted by a lot of hardwoods, pine trees, sloughs. Uh, okay. Gets okay. a lot of rain. All right. So it's a little more Louisiana than yes. West Texas. Okay. That's a good way. Okay. Okay. I remember uh, when I drove out to hunt in Texas that we were talking about before the show back, back uh, quite a few years ago. Um, of course I drove here from South Carolina. It took me longer to get from the Texas border to marathon Texas where I was hunting than it did take me to get from here to Texas. Oh, mercy. I, I could not yep. believe how big that state was. I was like, I mean, from, cause from here to Texas, I got, uh, of course, South Carolina I live in, in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, I go through four States before I get to the border, which takes about 16 hours. And then it took another 16 and a half hours to get from there to where I was hunting. And I was in the same state. I just, I was like, this is just insane how big this place is. And, <laughs> and, and going that, going that diagonal from the Northeast corner, I guess it'd be to the Southwest corner. I got to see a lot of different topography and, mm. uh, yeah, I did. And, uh, um, you know, it's, I've, I've only been once. I really don't have an opinion. I can't really say I liked it or disliked it. The hunting and the camaraderie was great. I didn't kill anything, but it was great. And well, we got to uh, change it. Got to get yeah, back down. That sounds like a plan. Sounds <laughs> like a plan. Okay. So, so, uh, East Texas would be where you have trees because I, I just remember brush and scrubs and, and stuff barely as tall as your head on the southern yeah, part that's definitely west you're west and southwest texas and uh, there's a joke you can stand on your tiptoes in lubbock and see dallas it's pretty <laughs> flat <laughs> it's pretty flat it is 
it is my son uh and his wife moved out to california and they drove across there and and i told him i said it's going to take you four hours to get through dallas fort worth and then you'll see new mexico <laughs> because it is so flat it's like, yeah, pool, right. it's like a pool table forever uh it's just you know i think kansas gets, gets ripped for being flat but it's not as flat as other places in this country and west texas is one of those areas where you could drop a marble and it won't roll uh in right, any direction right. <laughs> in any right. direction so so you left east texas uh and what happened next well uh about my senior year in high school that's when the oil field kind of busted for a lot of folks uh, in the late mid eighties and uh, went to move to the Metroplex and um, just pursued uh, um, just trying to go do sports. But when the oil field crashed, then a lot of things in my life changed. So we uh, went from having uh, probably a lot more than we ever would think to have or need uh, to having uh, not much of anything. And, sleeping on my grandparents' floor, but uh, it made me, um, and it made me appreciate some things. So later on, got uh, went to school in North Texas, uh, got married to a girl I met uh, at, uh, at church, and uh, both of us came from uh, backgrounds that probably were not very church-like, um, but we were redeemed by the blood, and uh, God did some amazing things in us, and we would end up moving to Glen Rose, where we are now, and uh, had three children, two sons and a daughter. Um, and it was just a great journey. We were married for 20 years. And then uh, it was uh, close into our 20th year that um, we found that she had somehow uh, come down with uh, ovarian cancer. And from the moment that we learned of it to the moment she went home to be with Jesus, it was about 90 days exactly. Oh, my goodness gracious, Mike. That's that is, uh, that just kind of took my, took all the thoughts out of my head, how fast and rapid that, that had to be before you could even absorb the diagnosis you were having to make arrangements. I mean, that's just, uh, that's shocking. That's yeah. shocking. It's a tough time. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I want to get into that in detail in a minute, but, but you said a few other things that kind of, I want to, I want to break into it if, if I'm, if I may is, is sure. so your family was in the oil business before all that mess happened or, or you were in the oil business. And I was not, I was a kid. <laughs> My okay. dad was, okay. but about the time he was trying to teach it to me, oil went from $32 a barrel to $7 a barrel. And many families were just like ours. We uh, just everything kind of happened overnight. And that's not unlike the oil patch as many people will tell you uh, feast or famine. So, yeah. Yeah. And and then you went to, you said, West Texas, North Texas College? What was the University name? of Texas, so in Denton. And we was there for a while and then uh, went to school there and uh, ultimately realized I didn't like starving to death for a living. So started a business uh, and um, out of my apartment. And that was back in 92. We'll celebrate our 30th year in business uh, this next year, actually. And what is your business? So we have a business called MW Supply that does uh, everything from tie-down straps, load bars, cargo nets, anything that keeps freight from shifting in transit. Didn't know to get a plug in here. It's awesome. Uh, so Absolutely. That, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it restricts freight from shifting in transit. Primarily, we deal with food service companies. And, and that started a, a 
thing where we started a second business uh, along with my mother, Mesa Tech, and then a real estate business and just some things that God has just shown us. Um, I've got some great kingdom stories in that, but the short version is God has just been very gracious and uh, merciful and allowed us to learn some things. And here we are. Well, as opportunities open up, you see them and are able to to uh, uh, maximize them to the advantage of everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. People who've been listening to this podcast since the beginning know that that before I did all this, I was an entrepreneur, I was buying and selling businesses and and ran businesses for a while. And I understand that that side of the world. And and sometimes you know an opportunity presents itself, and you think you know somebody needs to do this and you think, right. why not me? I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you just, you know, it's, it's, it's that old saying that necessity is the mother of invention, but sometimes, sometimes desperation is the mother of a good business. That's right. We, we, we have a joke around here as well. There's entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. And sometimes there's <laughs> days where you feel like on top of the world and other days you feel like you're under it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. taught us a lot. It continues to teach us a lot. So, it so does. We try to- Excuse me. I bought, and I, I, I put in the introduction before uh, we started recording this that I got allergies from these fall ragweeds that are blooming everywhere. Oh. My throat's just clogged up. So I'll be clearing my throat a lot. So I apologize for that again ahead of time. Uh, okay. it's, it's, you know, I can tell already that my, my voice doesn't sound as clear as normal, but it cannot be helped this time of year. I want to go back to something you said about when you met your wife, Laura, at church, that neither one of you grew up in a church family. Can you explain that part of your life? Of Well, was, you know, I mean, and, I just want to preface a little bit, Mike, is that a lot of my guests tell the same story of, well, I guess I'm like everybody. I, you know, my family took me to church as long as I can remember. And I grew up in it, but others have not. So I'm, I'm just curious as to, as to how that came about for you. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be clear, it was my late wife, Laura, and that's a whole nother part of that story. Uh, but the, the short version was I had had a church experience and my, my family did bring me up in the church as it were. Um, but when, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, Mike Tyson says, everyone thinks they can fight till they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Well, my, uh, my, my spiritual walk got punched in the mouth when I was 18 years old. Hmm. So what I thought was my faith. And that's a lot of that actually ironically kind of goes behind in the backdrop of the book, uh, the trail in the woods we'll talk about, but I thought I had a strong faith until I got punched in the mouth. So looking back, I would tell you that, um, you know, where we had both come from were places that we had knew about Jesus and heard about Jesus and believed that Jesus was Lord, but we didn't know the person and the character of Jesus Christ. So uh, we were very immature in our faith and had made decisions that, uh, that, didn't reflect on a strong faith. So we found mm-hmm. ourselves both at church. We met at singles group. And then um, next thing you know, we were getting married and we ended up in Somerville County here in Glen Rose, Texas. How about that? How about that? Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of church was that? Was it a non-denominational <laughs> Baptist, uh, Methodist? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. So uh, grew up in the church of Christ and then uh, had a stint at the Methodist church. Uh, which wow, two very different environments there. But yes. MY where all the uh all the cool stuff was happening, snow in and pretty girls, and it was like wow, two different worlds. Yeah. But went back to the Church of Christ after uh leaving East Texas and just kind of followed my grandmother actually. She was just very devout and um a lot of foundation came from that time. Good. You found out that your 
that your late wife, Laura, had ovarian cancer, and 90 days later, she passed. I just cannot imagine, cannot imagine that. Um, yeah, for real. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, as a, as a host, I should, be, I should have something on that, and I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. I just can't imagine. Um, yeah, guess, sometimes words just don't do it justice. You just say, I'm sorry, I love you, and, you, and then you learn, and you, uh, remember how that uh, this this life here is a vapor we got eternity afterwards and, and i know that's where she is she closed her eyes here she closed her she opened her eyes uh, in the presence of jesus so uh, i know she would want me to run hard and that's part of what this uh, this this journey is about is making sure that i honor what yeah. she uh, she would want us to do and run hard and same thing with the kids how long ago was that that was five years ago at actually two days ago oh wow okay Okay. And your children, were, your children were how old when their mother passed? Well, five years ago. So Hunter would have been, uh, golly, 19, Drayton would have been 17. And then yeah. Ava, uh, would have been nine. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It'd be, a. would like to know how your children dealt with that. I know there are people out there listening who have lost spouses and they have children that they're rearing on their own. And, yeah. And, uh, that may be another podcast for another day when we talk about, talk about that. Let's just uh, kind of plug that because I could chase that for a couple of hours and that's not why yeah. we're here today, but that may be, there. yeah, that may be something that, uh, well, uh, that I call you back on in a few weeks and we talk about yeah. and, the, the short version is they have done a phenomenal job, but it's hard work and, uh, and there's, there's healing to do. Yeah. Uh, it just never stops. You don't move on, you move forward. And, and I'm so, uh, I'm very proud of them. Yeah. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. So Mike, as I said in the intro, Mike reached out to me, uh, and I've, Put this in many of my podcasts if you or somebody you know thinks would make a good podcast guest then just reach out to me let's talk about it and see if it'll fit and and mike reached out to me because he he recently wrote a book that um it, i don't have my copy yet but i've been reading about it and i've watched your videos about it and stuff and i've listened to your readings on it um but you wrote a book that's called the trail in the woods. But before we get to the book, I want to talk about what inspired you to do this and why yeah. this, this particular work. Well, I think it, uh, it was during the same period of time that, um, that, that Laura was sick and I was writing and I was just trying to be, uh, diligent in a gifting. I know he'd given me gosh, 20, 30 years ago, and it actually was cathartic for me to write. Um, but, you know, as I saw my, my, my young men leaving home during the same period of time, I realized they just weren't equipped. Uh, and, and none of us are right. Fully equipped. We just aren't, I surely wasn't, they, they were a lot more equipped than I was, but when I left, but, um, just that feeling of, man, I should have spent more time. And I think any good parent can re it resonates with them, man. I wish I'd, I, I would have taught them this or should have taught them that. And, Mm -hmm. My identity was tied up in both uh, busyness at church and church identity, which was good things, but wasn't an always, always God. It was uh, just identity stuff, some work, uh, a lot of work. And I was so about making sure that they were um, comfortable in a good spot. And, and sometimes we see them through the eyes of ourselves when we were kids. And I was wanting to make sure they didn't deal with what I dealt with. 
uh, with, you know, us losing quote unquote everything. We didn't, but at the time I thought I did. So it felt like it didn't. Yeah. So it was a little bit of panic, like, man, and the, and the best way I knew to speak to them was through poetry. So I wrote the, them this poem called The Trail in the Woods and just giving them wisdom, bites of wisdom uh, all throughout it. Um, so Hunter had been out of school a little bit and was at Baylor and Drayton was about to to head off to school. Um, and then I realized as I shared this with some of my friends, they're like, man, I, I wish I had something like that for my son or my kids. And uh, so then I just made it a project. So I just poured myself into it and I realized if it was just my words of wisdom, it just, it's just seemed pretty self-serving It needs to point to scripture. So that's when I went through and just made sure every piece of wisdom, the majority of every piece of wisdom in the poems were pointing to specific scriptures. So then I put them in the margin. So that way they're easily referenced. Um, and then we, uh, published the book and then realized that, um, Wanted to also include a good friend of mine, gave me some counsel, said, man, this would be a great workbook to engage them, as well as some challenges in there. A lot more interactive uh, because we just, you know, men, we love to learn by discovery. Um, you know, Proverbs talks about is the glory of God to conceal a manner and the glory of kings for it to be revealed. And so we love to discover things. So the, the trail is the reason I wrote the trail is so that people can kind of take their own journey, that men can take their own journey and seek for themselves uh, what God is showing them through both his creation, his word and his spirit. Um, and then, uh, and then engage in that relationship um, that God has for us. So it's just more than just academics and more than just wisdom. It's this relationship transaction that takes place. And we all, your viewership, I've listened to some of your podcasts before Pete and, um, just the way we see God's thumbprint, his indelible thumbprint, as we see uh, in, in Romans one twenty. But for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature are, are clearly seen. No one, no one is with excuse. You just you got to walk over that. Right. You got to step over mm -hmm. that to get to a place of there's no God. And it's mm -hmm. just too much. The evidence is just too high. So I think anyway, so. I mean, I think so. Uh, I don't understand how people can't see God in nature, but I love nature, um, you know, and, and I have dear friends and loved ones who they don't get the same joy out of it. I do actually, they just say, you know, it's just a tree to me. It's just a field to me. I just don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's just land. I'm like, Good gosh, mm. how do you not see that? But they don't, they see God in other ways. And so I have to appreciate that as well. But, but there are a lot of us that do see God in nature and in the outdoors and in the, in the creation, if you will. And, uh, that's where I recognize him the most that and in other people. Right. And in some cases, some people just see nature as God. They yeah. see the yeah. dead don't honor the creator. And, I, and I've been there too. I mean, well, you know, I don't need to go to church. This is, this, this is my church. And I mean, there's, there's some, some truth in that, but you know, we're yeah. episode number two. Symbol. <laughs> Okay, go to episode number two, October 2019. I talk about that very, that very subject. That's good. That's um, good. On my second podcast, this one guy said, Pete, I can't believe you went there right from the beginning. I uh, know it. Go right <laughs> said, well, for it. Too much well, I did, you know, uh, and it talks <laughs> about uh, outdoorsmen and worship is, I, I think, is the, is the title of it. And, and, and I address that head on because as a, as outdoor writer, as a, as a former pastor, I know I've, I've had, I've got the, gotten the opportunity to share a lot of campfires with a lot of people. 
uh, from all over the, you know, from the Arctic circle down to the swamps of, of Florida. And, and you, and you hear a lot of different stories of people. And one of the commonalities is this is my church. This is my church. And now, no, it's not. These are the mountains. This is the swamp. This is, you know, (laughs) this, it's not church, you know, and, and anyway, I go into a lot of detail there about it and about how we are missing so much when we use that excuse. Uh, and I also talk about it in my book, Do You Enjoy God? It's also in there. There's a there's a blurb in there about it as well. When I talk about worship, um, enjoying I God. Through. I think we all feel closer to God when we're there, but it can't be a retreat away from the lost. No, uh, no. And we can't run away from the fact that we've, we're living in a broken world. But at any rate, I could go. That's a whole other. Absolutely. Nother Absolutely. Absolutely. We can, you know, as you're, as you're talking about this and and I'm going to throw in a plug for myself here real quick. The very first book I wrote was called a letter to my children. Mm. And, and it was, uh, it was, uh, during a very difficult time in my life. Um, I have two children from a previous marriage and I did not have custody of them. And, and I'm watching them grow up from a distance. They lived many hours away and me, thinking, man, I wish I could tell them this. I wish I could tell them that. And at the same time, I was, I was rearing three children at home. And, and it just kind of came to me one day that said, these are some things I want to make sure they know if I don't get around to telling them. That's, that's how I prefaced it. And so I wrote a book that I call A Letter to My Children. And, and it's available on Amazon. It's not, not very well done for publication and so forth, but it was a personal book. It was for them. It wasn't necessary to sell to the masses, but interestingly, Mike, is that I got a couple of people, I say a couple, I don't know how many, but that have read all of my books. And every time I write a new one, they have me inscribe one and send it to them and stuff. And they say that that is my best work. And, uh, and I haven't visited it in, I think I wrote it in 2011. I mean, 2012, somewhere in there. Uh, see, I don't even remember. I think it was 2011. Um, that's been 10 years ago. And, uh, that may be, you kind of inspired me by listening to your thing about yours is to go back and revisit that into, yeah, and to upgrade it and to upgrade it some, you know, cause things yeah, have changed most of they're, well, they're all grown now. I have five children total. So, and they're all grown Two were married and three are in college. Well, I think that in a lot of ways that answers your question because that same father's heart is the inspiration behind it. So wants so much to leave behind something that, uh, is precious and it's eternal. And, uh, you know, there were so many moments that I wanted to just give them just like some big phenomenal piece of wisdom. Right. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. worked that way. It's not this cinematic as in the, in the movies. It's just, it's in trickles and bits and pieces. Uh, right. actually the poem starts off a great sin of an old man's ways withhold fruit of learned days and passed a grave what was taught. So then the son oft repays. So it's just this whole thing about passing along wisdom and knowledge before and Jesus takes us home. Mm. Mm. So is, is the entire book poetry? The entire book is poetry, um, but there's portions like after a certain um, portion of, a, uh, of, of poetry, there'll be, the, of course, the references in the margin, but then there'll be like a, a challenge afterwards or a story about how um, this applies in real life uh, or has applied in real life mm-hmm. so um, there's a there's a part called the trail guide and the trail guide actually points to um, how to how to apply this as well as questions 
um, and challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more interactive than just the poetry. I found that the poetry by itself was, uh, you know, a, a good read, but it was just the intro to the, the, the better portion of obviously, which is scripture and then uh, application of how does this work in real life? Right, right, right. And then throughout, there's just there's there's pieces of uh, just um, survival uh, tips and how to build a fire, to how to track game, to things that you learned that you want to know for the woods. So, how did somebody in Texas build a fire? Uh, you want to know the real reason? This probably involves a lot of fluid and some branches. That's exactly <laughs> what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> the wrong way to do it right <laughs> yeah but, i'm yeah. not i'm not on the television show alone right now where's the lot of fluid in the matches i'm gonna get this baby yeah, right. going horrible <laughs> you know the smell messes with the meat that you're cooking but that's probably how it typically is done but the right way obviously is small kindling a little nest uh, a nice feral rod and you should be yeah. cooking some yeah so. no, no big lighter and uh some uh lighter fluid uh, I actually went, uh, uh, golly, time flies. Mike, it just reminded me. I went, I was invited to join a friend of mine in a, a, a hunt not far from home, but we went and camped in his wall tent that he had down there. And he said, I'm going I'm to build us a fire. He pulled out a Duraflame log, threw oh, it boy. in the fire pit, and then piled all <laughs> kind of wood on top of it. And he said, that baby keeps on burning and gets the wood going. I don't have to worry about that. Man, that's genius. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That right. is genius. He put the whole Duraflame log out there, lit lit the paper so it'd start burning then he just piled regular wood on top of it and it just kept on going i said i can't believe i've never thought of that hey well i've, I've got to give a shout out for a friend of mine so if you want to see some most creative ways in the world to start a fire he actually starts a fire wait for it with a tampon oh my goodness it's, yeah so he's it's chris spear with spear outdoors he's got some crazy videos on how to start fire uh, -huh. uh knew that there are so many different ways to start fires but chris is he's a he's a he's a kick he knows a lot of that bushcraft and i don't yeah, yeah. well it looked i tell you they make it look so easy you know and i i'm a and i'm, I'm talked about the show alone a minute ago and i'm a huge fan of that show and actually i've applied to be on it i don't know like every year and they still haven't contacted me um but one of the things I, I said, well, I've never used a feral rod even though i was a scout and everything i said i've always it they make it look so easy Right. I mean, when you're first trying that thing, I'm like, I can't even get a spark. <laughs> right. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I mean, you watch uh, that, you know, when you see people get out in the real world and it's like, wait a minute, everything's wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 So, uh, I think it'd be a great challenge. I'd love to be on that show. If anybody on there is listening, like I said, I've applied, I don't know, probably six or seven times. And my wife is like, I don't want you to be gone that long. I said, but if I get the chance, I'm going to go. I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go if I get the chance. I just think it would be an awesome experience to, man, what a way to be just you and God out there, you know, yeah. just, just you and him. I mean, you're, it's going to push your faith to a level. I would feel like Abraham in the wilderness, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and, but my wife said, I just don't, I don't want you to be gone that long. I didn't get married to spend six months alone. I'm like, oh, I understand. Holly <laughs> and I are addicted to that show. If there's one show we will just watch just devoutly, it's alone. Yeah. So me too. Me too. You're I welcome. Plug because it's awesome. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. It really is. I would say this though. If they were to, 
you know, I'll probably get picked finally and they'll move me to a desert and I'll be out in three days. I'm like, no, I can't do the desert. I don't have any experience in desert. None. Zero. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's it. That or a jungle with bugs everywhere and crawling all over you when you sleep. And I'm I'm not doing that. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. If I don't have a thermosail, you can keep the bugs. Keep the bugs. Anyway, I am. See, I told you I chase rabbits like crazy. So back to your <laughs> back to your book. So how many chapters is your book? And is it broken up by category of topics? Is it just one continual flow or just kind of give us the idea uh, of it? There's sections. So for for uh, for instance, there's a, a section called prepare and embark. It's how to start every day. Oh. Uh, section on mind, like setting your thoughts. How do you start your day? Nourish, fueling your mind through the day. Rest, how to rest and make encampment. Mm. Um, hunt, how to track games, steward your body and its creation. So there's each there's sections and there's, uh, I think there's a total of 92 pages in the entire work, uh, actually 86. Um, but each one is a, a section of wisdom that we hear from both the word as well as just fatherly wisdom that you want to pass along to your sons. And then in those sections, there's uh, the trail guide, which will will kind of have a story, like uh, in prepare, um, in the, the prepare section that it, it, it starts off. Uh, and the trail guide section says, "Ever woke up and you just know it's going to be a good day? What about a bad day? Did you notice that you were you were often right based upon what you had already decided?" In prepare, we see the need to actually put on the armor that God provides every day: faith, righteousness the sort of truth, et cetera. Growing up playing high school football, we were always reminded to check our gear before we, uh, for the game started. No one would ever dream of taking the field without their equipment. Anyway, it goes on just to kind of help apply now what they've read, what they've seen, and this is how you actually apply it. And then there's, there's some challenges and questions and just helps them to kind of engage that in, in on their own as well. I like that. I like that a lot. I like it. It's sections and not necessarily chapters because a section may have three or four works that are all, they're all applying towards the same thing. Um, whereas chapter a chapter book, each chapter stands alone typically. Uh, yeah, that sounds fascinating. I can't wait to read it. I really can't. Um, that's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And that little excerpt that you read was very captivating as well. It's very visual and very, very it made me want more. It really did. It made me want more, which is the sign of good work. It really is. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Pete, one of the things that I put early on in the book, and I wanted to, to, to address this because it's just I, the hypocrisy of mine not being much of a reader is just deep when I wrote this book. So I, I'm always looking for a reason to put a book down, mm-hmm. uh, not pick one up. So if you're like me, you got five or six books that are on yourself. Someone gave them to you, should have read them, hadn't read them. So early on the book, I actually put a page devoted to why not to read this book. So mm-hmm. one of the greatest compliments I've received so far is a, uh, is a guy that got the book. He said, and, and he said, I've, I haven't read a book in 25 years, but I read yours. And, uh, and that just resonated with me mm-hmm. because when do we make time for it? So that first page says, Hey, this, here's some reasons you're going to think that I don't want to read this book. So let's just check through this, through those quickly. And it's having a little bit of fun with it because that's kind of what I'm looking for is a reason to put the book down when I first started. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm guilty of that as well, even though I try to read more than I should, I mean, 
I try to read. I say that meaning that I, I'm not disciplined well enough to do that. I know that my writing is better when I read more. There's no Amen. doubt about that. Um, and if, if, if there are any fledgling writers out there who are listening to this, the book that had the biggest impact on my writing was actually written by somebody who I can't stand their work. And that's Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I don't like his style of writing, but he wrote a book called own writing. And it's about the craft of writing and writing well. And I really hesitated to buy that book because I don't like Stephen King's horror. I just don't like horror reading. I just don't like it. I don't yeah. like to watch it. I don't like to read it, but man, did he not give some really good advice in there about how to write well and then, and the discipline behind it. And it really, really has helped me tremendously. So if there's anybody out there who's, who's thinking about it and struggling, get that book by Stephen King called own writing. He wrote it in the year 2000. It's been out a long time. But it's a really good work. At least it was for me. So, um, but I'm like you, I mean, I'll read in spurts. I'll read two or three books and then not again for three months. You know, <laughs> I, 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 really, it's just, I won't pick up anything. And some of that is, as you say, uh, I find an excuse not to, I find an excuse not to, or, you know, I'm somebody who I don't really like novels a whole lot. I like true stuff. I like to learn. Yeah. I like to learn when I'm reading. I just enjoy learning. I'm a sponge when it comes to learning. And if it's fake, I'm not learning anything. Right. Yeah. So I like to read true stuff. And and now I'll read, I will read some novels. I like John Grisham stuff and Dan Brown stuff because it's just, uh, it's just good. It's very good a lot of the times. But but I like to read true stuff. So I like to read biographies. I like to read um, uh, Christian books that are helping me be, be a better, a better husband, father, man, child of God. I like to read those kind of things. Uh, so yeah, um, go ahead. Wait for selfish reader. Like when I go to the Bible, I go to the word, I'm looking for something. I want something from it. <laughs> yes. So, right. So <laughs> that's so guilty. Yes. And I'm learning, I'm learning this. This is, this is a real sweet part of, of my own walk where I, with the season I'm in now is experiencing the father and his presence. Uh, when, uh, when the Lord, you know, says to the enemy, you know, have you considered my servant, Job? we all know that scripture. Uh-huh. And he said, well, does he love you? Does, does he, does he follow you for nothing? You know, in other words, do, does he do it for free? Does he love you for free? Mm-hmm. And, and I, that really convicted me when I read it that way. Like, do I just, do I experience the father because what I can get from him or do I experience him because who he is? And I'm, I'm still learning that Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this process has helped me a great deal in that. It's just enjoying his presence, being in his presence for who he is, not what he can give to me. And uh, so I have been, I've been guilty of being a selfish reader. Like, Hey, what do I can, what can I get? And I'm going to set it down as soon as I get it. So yeah. Yeah. There. And I'm guilty of being a selfish prayer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be I'll be totally naked here in front of the audience. I'm I'm guilty of being a selfish prayer. And and I, I'm actually working on another Christian book now. And one of the topics is prayer. And uh, I'll go ahead and give a little blurb into that. But there was a sermon I heard, I don't know, two, three years ago. And I, don't, I don't even remember who said it. I mean, and I should and I can't give them appropriate credit. But they say when you pray, you should pray like this. You should start with thank you. And once you thank God for everything, then you should go, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness for all the failures, which are a legion in my case. 
and then finish with please. Don't start with please. Start with thank you. Start with thanking God with everything. And then begging God for forgiveness for all your failures. And at the very end, let God know what your heart's desires are. And that, that changed the way I pray, completely changed the way I pray. My wife and I do a devotion in the mornings. Uh, we actually use the classic Upmost for Your Highest by Oswald Chambers. Um, it's just a good start, and we talk about it, and we read scripture from it and all, and all those kind of things. And then we pray together afterwards. And one of the things that we do it is I'll say thank you, and then I'll go and we'll say the prayers of thank you, and then we say sorry, and then we do that, and please, and it has really changed the way that I pray, and it has, uh, it's, it's been life-changing as far as my, my, my prayer life by, by having a system that makes sense, and isn't yeah, that, selfish. That is good, that is good, you know, it's, his word tells to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving, it's like mm-hmm. when you first open the door, you hit your knees, and you say thank you, yeah, I think that's how I identifies us as his kids, mm-hmm. that, Here's thank you and that contrite, but also so grateful heart. And uh, uh, I liken to like if you had a buddy that every time they called you, the first words out of their mouth was, hey, can you do this for me? Yeah. <laughs> Would you pick guess, up? Yeah. The- but you know what, Mike? We we all have friends like that. You never <laughs> hear from them until they yeah. want something. Yeah. And I know God is good and he's so much better than we are, but I just know that that's not much of a relationship is all it is. No, it's not. You know, <laughs> Hey Pete, uh, you got a truck still, right? Uh, I've got yeah. a couch. Help and it's like, man, Mike just keeps only calling me when he needs something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but, uh, another rabbit hole. That's why we call it the book, the trail, right? We keep going in these trails. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but to me, that's what makes a good podcast. We're just, just the two guys right. talking about loving Jesus and about our life journey together. And Amen. that's what it's all about. Um, and on the, I'm going to give another plug. If you haven't heard of Ironman Outdoors, which is an outdoors men's ministry, where they connect men to Christ through the outdoors, through hunting, um, go to ironmanoutdoors.org. It is a wonderful ministry. I'm going to Kentucky again this year, whitetail hunting in December during their late muzzleloader season. Uh, and oh, cool. it's, it's just Christian men in a Christian hunting camp and it's, it's wonderful. So anybody listening out there out, uh, ironmanoutdoors.org and, uh, you can sign up for hunting trips all over the Southeast and they've been around for almost uh, 18, 19 years and they'll do 40 to 50 different, uh, weekends a year doing all kinds of things, not just whitetail. They do pigs and, and, uh, duck hunts and and water other waterfowl i guess you guys say waterfowl because they, they hunt geese too mm-hmm. but it's a really good organization that may be something that you'd be interested yeah, in if you like to hunt it's a really really good organization and it's a lot of fun to be in a camp with with all christian men this is mm-hmm. really really good environment um and that's what we're doing here we're just two two christian guys who who love god and love our families and are and are just sitting around talking about it so, so what about Ava? Was she left out of this and she wrote this for the book? I mean, for, uh, for you know, sons? it's funny because, uh, so now as, uh, as God would have, you know, God does what he does. He just, he just does some things that are just not expected and blesses with an abundant blessing. So as I was going through, um, uh, grief share, which was, uh, a ministry for those who've lost loved ones, uh, I, I met an, a, an amazing lady uh, who was also had also lost her husband, um, her spouse, and um, just became friends. And then uh, just turned into something else that I did not anticipate. So I'm answering your question. 
about Ava because now she's got two stepsisters. But um, Ava was the baby during all this. I say baby. She was uh, eight, nine years old when it all took place. And she was there with me. And uh, it was a very difficult time um, for us. The most difficult conversation I've ever had with any of my kids was when she had asked about, you know, if her mom was going to make it. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, trust equals truth. So uh, I told her the truth. She said, I think God's going to take her home. And um, it was really, really heart-wrenching and difficult. But I've been so proud of her because she has walked this out with me. Uh, the boys went on to uh, to college, and uh, they've still obviously been with me in this, and we've experienced it together. But it's just been different, just the rich mm-hmm. relationship I've built with Ava because we've had to overcome together um and also accept what god had for us next and uh and putting these two families together uh to have one family now so mm-hmm. so yes ava's uh my daughter by, by blood and then i've got two adoptive daughters that uh actually on either side of ava so we have abby who's a senior in high school and we have emma who's a freshman in high school ava's now a sophomore in high school so to answer your question pete yes I went from a household of boys, even the animals were, were, uh, were male. <laughs> uh, to, to now it's a house full of girls. Uh, wow. Teenage high school girls under one roof. Uh, my prayer life has never been stronger. Been there, <laughs> been there, got the scars to prove it, buddy. Hey, right. And limps. <laughs> and everything. So, uh, they, uh, but no, they, but it's been a real rich blessing. So Ava has been such a rich blessing. She's helped me walk through this along with Molly and, and the girls. And, um, it's, it's been rich. It's, it's, it was not what I anticipated. Certainly wasn't the plan, but man, I'm so thankful and just humbled by getting to have them. Yeah, that's awesome. That really is. That's awesome. It's, it's great when families can, can blend is the, I think the term that they use nowadays and, and and they do so harmoniously. There's a big word for you without any, uh, uh, anger or, disdain for one another but but they do so yeah. in a way that is loving and embracing and, and uh you know we have somewhat of a blended family um my wife susan was not married before when we got married and we got married in our late 30s but mm-hmm. i had been married before but we we never used the term step or half there yeah are, I, what are children, what you, you know there are children and yeah and that's and, I always say that's a, i say the same thing um but yeah, I, 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 I just see them as my girls. They're my girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God gave me and trusted me to them. And right, uh, right. But I like, I like your philosophy. Yeah, it's just I don't know what the step thing is even. And no one ever plans that, right? That's right. not like yeah, you know, this yeah. is plan A, but you do with what God gave you. I mean, when Susan and I got engaged, I her engagement ring was three diamonds because it was it was a package deal. It was, uh, it was Hannah, Alex and me. And, 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 and that was the order. It was a package deal. You either accept all of us or you don't accept none of us. And, right. and she knew that and, and has done a wonderful job as a, as their mother, as their uh, additional mother, let me put it like that. Yeah. Instead of stepmother as so, and that's what we've told them is they're, they're blessed enough that they have two families that love them dearly. And some mm-hmm. people don't have a single family that, 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 that loves them. So that is um, and the siblings the same way, you know, the siblings are, it's not my half sister and my half brother. It's my brother and my sister. And that's awesome. And I think that's the way that God that's wants the way it to should. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the Jewish custom is you could disown 
your own family, but if you adopted, uh, you chose each other and you can't unown them. Right. So it's something beautiful about when families blend and you choose to love each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is just so much like how God adopts us into a a covenant that uh, none of us were born into. Right. 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 So Mike, uh, we've been on here a long time and, and I didn't want to, I know we've, we've chased a lot of rabbits, but, but I think it's been a great <laughs> conversation, but let's, uh, let, let, let's get back to the trail in the woods. So if somebody wanted to get a copy of this, I know it's on Amazon, but you also have some other places that it's available as well. Yeah. So you can get it at Walmart or Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's also places you can purchase it. Uh, we, we look forward to the, as we do our hard launch, September 28th, uh, in the morning, uh, you can pre-order the book now and still get it. But, um, so those are places and then we may be doing kits and whatnot to, to add a journaling is a big part of what mm-hmm. we feel God uh, calling men to do that, that I've always thought that was an effeminate word journaling, never wanted to do it just because of that. But it's really blessed me the last few years. So the gift I got from my sister-in-law and it's leather and looks manly and it helps me a lot. It's so very, that's where you, it's very helpful. I find it, it is. To be. That's yeah. a blessing. But uh, you can go on to uh, www.thetrailinthewoods.com to learn more about what we have upcoming. And, uh, and then uh, the last thing I want to share, if I could, about the book is there's a fatherly, a father's blessing in the back. And just to explain this to your audience, uh, if, if you should get the book, page 85, it is, it is a, it's a blessing over to be received as a son or to give over a son. Or just if someone has the wound of never having that experience of, of having having a dad or a father, to, to know that Abba, our father, is the best father that can possibly be. And it's just a it's a it's a blessing, a father's blessing to be received or given. Um, and some people have just never walked through that. And I've only walked through it recently with my oldest, and uh it's powerful. Mm. Mm. You know, you, you you gave me an idea when you said that is my, my middle daughter, Ruth is now engaged to a young man named Tyler. They're both in their last years of college and they're getting married like two weeks after they graduate. And mm-hmm. when Tyler came to ask for our blessing, I, uh, I told him, I said, well, here's the deal, Tyler, you marry this family, then you become family. And mm-hmm. I'm going to treat you like a son, good, bad, and indifferent. And I'm going to love you like a son. And, and I, I think I, the way I put it was in time, I will love you just like my son, you know, and, and we went through this long spiel. I won't bore the listeners with that. But as you were saying that, it made me think about the blessing of a son is, is why not a son-in-law as you welcome them into your family or a daughter-in-law as you welcome them into your family, that, that, that would be, I think I'm going to have to order four books now, uh, or three. I got I got two sons, and then Tyler's coming into the family, so that'd be a, a third that I'll have to order that I can give to them, and you know, then one for me. So it does make four books that I'll have to order so that we can share it with with my sons and my future son-in-law, and to offer him a blessing as he comes into the family. Appreciate that's that's powerful. That's cool. Well, I have a a, a daughter-in-law now, and I uh, feel the same way. She's uh, she's my girl too, but she's my girl through. Uh, the covering of her husband, who just happens to be my son. Uh, mm-hmm. Way cool. New for us, but it's really cool. It is cool, isn't it? It is cool. And I, I told him, I, he said, well, what am I supposed to call you, Mr. Rogers? I said, well, not Mr. Rogers anymore. If you marry my daughter, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, 
he's uh he's he's still mulling it over but um um the rest of them either call me pops or dad so i said either one of those is fine either pops or dad because you're going to be i will love you and treat you like a son so you will be family so uh just whichever you're more comfortable with is fine uh and or or your highness would be would, would be <laughs> awesome too you can you can go there if you want to <laughs> oh mighty <laughs> oh thou great father <laughs> just kiss the ring every time you come into the house yeah, son. kiss the ring every yeah, time you got to be a music background there uh, uh, he's a good boy and i'm a, i'm i'm very blessed that that a, a young man like him loves my daughter as deeply as he does so and we all pray for the future uh spouse yes yes we do so it's available on amazon it's available at walmart and barnes and noble and it's the trail in the woods.com that's right okay all yeah the trail in the woods.com and also at your at most bookstores and uh and congratulations on your hard launch this week yeah that's september 28th it's a facebook 8 30 to 9 we're giving away some free books and some journals and some goodies so uh, we'd love for you to join us if you can. Yeah. And if you, if you also see whatareyouhunting.com or hashtag what are you, like R and you hunting, uh, that's kind of promotion because uh, we're, we're kind of having fun with that. Like, what are you seeking? Is that the what letter R and the letter U? That's right. What are you, hashtag what are you hunting? Let's be hunting truth too, seeking him. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, that's, that's where true happiness begins is by uh, acknowledging that God is the most important thing. Pete, hey, thank you again. I really appreciate you putting me on your podcast. I'm very honored and uh, humbled, and thank you. You're quite welcome, and thank you for joining me, Mike. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast here at Christian Outdoors. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, keep us in your prayers and share this with your family and friends so that we can continue to get the good word of Jesus out there. Thank you for listening.